Hey, hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Scuttlebutt. Uh, I am Vic, and I'm here with Nancy. Hi, everyone. And we are, you know, as always, super honored uh, to have our guest today, uh, former Marine, current American Legionnaire, uh, Elizabeth Hartman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. And for anybody who uh, is interested, our subscribers who get Leatherneck Magazine or, you know, anybody who's in the barbershop and sees Leatherneck Magazine there uh, on the podium, grab it. There's a Sarah Bach who we just uh, had on um, and is now doing great things at UCSD, uh, wrote a fantastic article about American Legion, uh, which is why we wanted to have Liz on today because you guys are doing some really, really great things uh, with American Legion, not just from an advocacy standpoint, but also from a, uh, a bridging generational gaps. Um, so again, thank you so much for your generosity with your time. Thank you. I can't wait to talk about all these things today with you. Yeah, well, one of the things I think we got to touch on since we hit on it in the pre-show was uh, me personally, this was really um, a great opportunity uh, to get to learn more about American Legion because uh, growing up, I mean, even through my time in the Marine Corps, I just did not know much about what the American Legion did other than like show up at parades and, you know, wear funny hats. And so, um, yeah, let's talk about the piss cutters. Like what's up with the piss cutters? I mean, we are still wearing them and we are still in parades. That is how you're always going to see us. Uh, when you look through your historical archives, was there ever like a journal entry or a diary note that said like, these hats are awesome, never get I'm rid of sure them? I'm sure there is, but <laughs> on my deathbed, I will be screaming, please get rid of the covers. But unfortunately, so many members love them. I'm definitely in the minority. But yeah, yeah they are, they're, they're quite the accessory. Well, I, 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 I got to think that like they're aerodynamic, so they got to handle a lot of weather, right? Like, oh yeah, um, it's. It's rough because I think you alluded to it in the pre-show, we have all this bling on them. So they start falling off in one direction and then oh. it's like, it's, it's Yeah, you really have to balance it out. So what's up with the flare? What does it all mean? Cause there's some oh, that have a ton and- Where do we begin? So a lot of times people will have pins on, you can only wear your pins on the right-hand side. So that's how it gets Oh, like that weighs it, yeah. Hilty. Wow. A lot of times your pins are gonna say you're your position within the American Legion. So I'm the commander of my post. So I have one that says commander. I have one that's the Marine Corps flag because obviously the Marine Corps is better than every other branch. Um, <laughs> and then each state, each state will have their own pins. So we have a dogwood pin here in North Carolina that I wear. Uh, and then when you go to events, you try to trade like we're in high school. So we start oh, trading pins. Oh, that's epic. So it's and like a challenge like, coin almost. Yes, 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 yes. Exact same concept. Uh, every time there's a new commander, you want to get their pin. So, yeah. Oh, how cool. <laughs> so it's not like uh, office space and tchotchkes, right? Where it's like you're trying, it's not an expression. You're not artistically expressing your. No, these okay. are. Yeah. There's a they all have a purpose. Pins, although you'll notice a lot of the staff in DC, they have clean covers, they have no pins, they take great pride in not wearing their tchotchkes. So yeah. yeah. Was it like um in your uh in your Marine Corps days? Like is there a uniform regulation or can you like tilt it like the old school, like World War II photos? Oh, yeah, that's I a good look. A lot of the salty, you know, Vietnam vets who they're just so proud of all their pins that you'll heavy tilt. Yeah, I start taking pins <laughs> off because I get so angry when my cover starts falling off in photos. So it depends on the person. How awesome. Well, thank you for sharing the little behind the scenes there. This yeah. is not where I thought this conversation was going to yeah. go. At now, all. I have my cover. Nancy, Nancy, you know how we do. We lift <laughs> veils here. This is what we do. We tell stories. We lift veils. I love it so much. This is the highlight of my day, really. The show. <laughs> It's a it's a gem. <laughs> well, so Liz, um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, uh, being as you know verbose or as you know discreet or as short-winded as you want, but could you tell us a little bit about your uh, sort of path to the yellow footprints? Um, I understand you're from the Midwest originally. Is that correct? Yes, the Midwest, the best portion of America. <laughs> yes, I am originally from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, a tiny town. It's not tiny at all outside of Akron, Ohio, the land of LeBron James and the Cleveland Browns. So it 
graduated high school, went to college, and I just sort of realized I felt like my life had been determined already. I could see where my life was going, and I, because of where, you know, my high school classmates, where their life had went, and I didn't want to go down that same path, and I knew I had to do something drastic to remove myself from that situation, and that was the Marine Corps. Couldn't get more drastic than that, so that's yes. sort of what led me to those yellow footprints. And then, so you, you end up down in uh, Paris Island? Yes, back in and the middle And had you done much traveling at that point? Was that sort of a culture shock, or how was that for you? Oh, it's a culture shock because it's the Marine Corps. I'd been to North <laughs> yeah, Carolina so. previously, but I feel like, yes, it's still a culture shock. It's not like a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a vacation? What? You're like firing my travel agent. <laughs> exactly. So it's definitely a culture shock. Um, and then after that, I went to DLI, and this is where my story gets very bland. I, Sarah was a gem when she did the interview because I was like, you have to emphasize that I was just a boot lance corporal that got med sets. Like, I never wanted to portray to be anything I wasn't. So I had a very boring, bland Marine Corps career where I personally feel like I did not do much at all. Well, I mean, but DLI, I mean, Defense Language Institute, like, for all of us who are, you know, have worn the uniform or in uniform, I mean, that... That's not an easy place to get into, uh, and it is not an easy place to stay. I mean, that the academic curriculum there is, I mean, oh, it's, it's internationally known. So Next level. It was a phenomenal yeah. experience, and I can't trade those days for anything. And was that just because you tested so high, like ASVAB, or is that something you always wanted to do, or how did you end up there? Yeah, so you, everybody takes the ASVAB, and from my understanding, or what my recruiter told me, was that if you score a certain level on the ASVAB, they will just automatically send you to the D-Lab, um, the Defense yeah. Language Aptitude Battery. And it was on the D-Lab that I scored particularly high. So then that sent me to DLI. Yeah, I've had a few uh, folks that I've known who were like, I'm just going to do Spanish because I want to just hang out in Colombia. And then they like max the D-Lab. We're like, oh, I'm in Afghanistan. Like, this is Oh, awful. yeah, I had to learn Farsi. Oops, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, so that's how it works, language? right? Like, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nancy. Oh, just what language were you studying? What What did you learn? I was modern standard Arabic. So I had a little, like a wee bit of Arabic in college before I joined the Marine Corps. But that was like, I could count to 10. It was nothing to write home about. DLI is intense. So that was a full curriculum on Arabic. What is that? Wahed, Ithnain, Thalatha, Arwa, Kamsa. Yeah. This is amazing. I like He's that. such a show off. Y'all lost. <laughs> this is like some good. Uh, that was just a softball. Yeah. Um, well, that's really awesome. And then, um, so then you leave the Marine Corps, and you head over to DOS, right? You're you're with the State Department for a bit. No, I got my bachelor's at Ole Miss first. Okay. And then I went up to Penn State for my master's, interned at DOS while at Penn State, and then was offered a, a gig while I was there. So that's how. Yeah, DOS was also phenomenal. One of my, I'm only going to do things I think are fun. So yeah, that was also fun. Yeah, no, you're knocking it out the park. This is great. Those are um, those are rules for life. Only do things that you think are fun. Stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you know, I retired as a major uh, because I was such an awesome major. Like the Marine Corps just could not, as an institution, afford to promote me. Like the thing would just <laughs> like, fall apart at the rails. And so, yeah, and I always told myself, like, well, being a, being a lieutenant colonel had been no fun, so I hear yeah, you. Stick with major. You're a major guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, well, that's really cool. So then what? how did you end up with American Legion then? Oh, so I was in Newburgh, North Carolina, and speaking of lieutenant colonels, one of my members, Lieutenant Colonel Ed Hughes, Army vet, he saw me at an event one day and he's like, hey, quit being a lazy millennial. You need to give back to your community again. <laughs> he's like, shoved this paper application so old school in my hand that he was like, fill this out. And as everyone knows, I respond to orders very well. So I was like, oh, God, of course. So I filled <laughs> yeah. it out. Yes, sir. I right away, sir. gave it back to him. And uh, I became the vice commander at my first meeting. So that was a <laughs> wow. Were you one of two or something, or how did that? I was, was like, the only person under the age of 40 at that point, so they were, like, trying to get some young folks into the post. And, and so, I mean, was membership, I mean, was it sort of like, hey, this is kind of cool, um, 
I think that I, I'll really be able to engage with this organization as a member. Like, what what was the impetus behind you actually just joining? I mean, or was it like Legion? This is going to sound a little cheesy, but it is such a powerful veteran service organization that you can't help but think of how much more powerful we would be if we could unite those different demographics, if we could all come together on that one umbrella as veteran. And I loved that concept. I loved being able to continue to serve in the community. And the American Legion gives you that, it gives you that mechanism or that vehicle to do so. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I think, and I think um, you mentioned that in the article too, but like one of the big things that as we've interviewed folks and, you know, talked to advocates uh, for veterans uh, and even amongst um, an advocate for uh, homeless veterans is one of the things that is definitely missing. And is, I think is a very abrupt, something you don't necessarily realize the extent of it until you're out is how that sense of community goes away very quickly. Oh, absolutely. And then you have this group of people who all get it. Yeah. You don't even have to speak about it because they lost that community also. And it's that beautiful space where you can come together as one and just get it. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, speaking as a civilian, but a member of, I grew up in a military family. I'm married into a military family. I, I think that civilians who have never been exposed to the military at all don't understand that community in any way, shape, or form. They don't understand that that all of you guys are part of, you know, not to be cheesy, but are part of a, a brotherhood. A, 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 you're part of a family, to, to be politically correct. You're part of a family immediately, and you all get it, and you all get each other. And civilians just don't understand that. I think you're absolutely right. And you can stick with brotherhood. We <laughs> be politically correct here today, so that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> we're, we're, a, we're a personhood. Um, personhood, yeah. So I, I, I think there is something like palpable about that as well. Um, the only like sort of analogy I could equate it to uh, for people who don't maybe aren't as familiar with how sort of ingrained this sense of belonging is, it's like how difficult it is later in life to make new friends and how you sort of stick with the people. Because you could, you could just say a word or make a reference and it just like unlocks this whole all this history and all these inside jokes and all of this experience shared experience where you can't do that with someone like you meet you know later on in life where you have to sort of establish that rapport get that sort of and common you, language you should come to one of our post meetings because i'm biased because we're the best but you see that literally every time someone opens the door we get we typically get two to three new members every month now and they'll oh. open the door and they always have their branch insignia on in some way. And as soon as they open, like all the Air Force vets flock to them, all the Navy vets flock to them. And it's just, it's this, it's this brotherhood. Like they want to know when were you in? Did the Navy do things differently this year? And, and there's something really beautiful about that, that you don't have to find new friends. You have the friends. We're already there. Just come hang out. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, and so then was it something uh, that was the, and I know we sort of joked about it, but was the the generational gap like something that was like immediately that you're like, I got to correct this? Or was it something that just sort of over time, you're like, we need to like galvanize our membership? Like, what was that experience like for you that you're now so uh heavily invested in bridging the generational gap within the American Legion? You know, unfortunately, I was the commander during the fall of Kabul, mm. which was a very unique time and impacted OIF and OEF vets. If you look at the photo of the embassy in Saigon and the embassy in Kabul juxtaposed side by side, it's the exact same situation. And those emotions that were brought about in my members, whether they were Vietnam era vets or GWAT era vets, were the same. And so I think, unfortunately, just due to the time period that I was the commander, those bridges started naturally being built on their own. And once we saw veterans come together as veterans, not as Vietnam veterans, not as GWAP veterans, not as Gulf War veterans, once we came together as veterans, it was very easy to continue that forward motion. Mm, yeah, I, I I remember it well. It's just, um, yeah, it, it was such a... Uh... This is just visceral 
sort like the imagery coming out of there and, and just understanding and again kind of going back to that like shared experience thing like knowing what and not exactly but having an idea of what that must have been like to have been boots on the ground there uh it, it just it just seems like such a ridiculous situation yeah and i, I for me you got to remember that i'm just i'm just a boot who never deployed as your commander and so i was in this really per- peculiar spot where I, I didn't have the words but what i did know is i was getting all these calls from all of my members saying this is bs like this is horrible and it talk it out because I don't have the words for the OIF combat bet, but my Vietnam guy does. And so by getting them in the room, there was a lot of healing that took place for every generation because they suddenly realized a lot of times you'll hear veterans say, well, it was different back in my core. It, it, It wasn't like you experienced so much of the same thing. So a healing was able to take place for a lot of the members because they had that place, that place where people got it, that personhood, that family, the brotherhood, it all came together in that moment. And I think that's where the bridges really started being built. Wow. That's powerful. So did you see then during that time, like an influx of new members or at least just people interested in checking it out or had that already been building up prior to that? In the week after I opened the post up to the public, which is typically typically not done. Typically, you only have post members or veterans come. And I opened it up to the public and said, hey, on this day, we're going to have a town hall. I don't care who you are. Like, you could be a 17-year-old who's just inquisitive about global events. Come at this time, come and talk. And so the post was opened up, and we did a town hall of sorts. We had some very rudimentary rules. You couldn't talk politics. You had to you keep it about the issue at hand. Um, and yeah, we definitely saw an influx. There were a lot of new faces there, which I poached and forced to join the post. But <laughs> that is where we started to see some fresh ideas. But what a great idea to to open it up to everybody to share a common experience, share some common ground and and motivate and build momentum. Yeah, it was a we learned a lot. I'm not going to lie. A lot of emotions were flying, but I do think it was really helpful. And then um, reading the article as far as like exposure and sort of community awareness, uh, I remember reading in the article, um, and I, I the name escapes me right now, I apologize, but the the commander of the post now, when he was first coming in, it was in Hollywood. Oh, Jeff Daly. Jeff Daly, there. Thank you very much. Um, And he was like, what is this place uh, in the tucked in the way over by Hollywood Bowl? Like, so did you find that? Is that a common theme that like people just don't even know like where your outposts are? No one knows where we're at. People only see the piss cutters or they think we're old men in smoke filled bars. (laughs) It's the stereotypes everywhere. No one knows that we exist, which is crazy it's like you're constantly having to show like we're doing stuff yeah well yeah i think some some of the things to uh the association of the name with whatever event you're sponsoring i my thought is like baseball so like american legion baseball you just sort of think that like that's just what this league is called it's called american legion baseball and you have no idea that like no, no this is the american like legion sponsoring baseball sponsoring yeah. this baseball league <laughs> and the, okay so like american legion oratorical People just think that's the name of it. No, we yeah. literally give a $25,000 check to one student every year. Like, if it says American Legion, we're throwing money at it and really helping students and kids have a better life and have access to things they might not have without us. Well, and interesting. So the the article that Sarah wrote is in our September issue, but I had edited it because we worked couple of months in advance. I had edited it before I went on my vacation this summer. And um, it just so happened that my vacation was an epic road trip to the upper Midwest. Oh my and, goodness. Yeah, and, and back. Um, and so suddenly I was noticing American Legion posts everywhere we in every you know little town. I was just like, wait a minute. Look you at can't that. stop seeing us once nope. you realize. Yep. Once you see American Legion, you'll realize there's like, it's a, I think there's like a 1500 posts in North Carolina. I mean, we are everywhere. Th- there, was, there was one in particular in, um, uh, Mackinac, Michigan. 
I think it, it was right over the the Mackinac Bridge. I'm trying to remember now exactly where it was. Anyway, um, I went for a walk after a day of driving, you know, hard driving, like, all right, I'm going to take a little walk. I'm walking around this little town and the American Legion post was rocking and rolling. You couldn't get in the place. And it was oh, a weeknight. No, I was just like, this is amazing. The rowdy posts around the country, they get wild. So, so how does uh, American Legion work? Like, um, I don't know, you could give us a little bit of background and then like, what is sort of the matriculation process for membership? Oh man, that's such a heavy question because there's so many ways I can answer it. Um, it's not heavy, it's just a very complex question. So every city has their own post. So in New Bern, we actually have two posts. Literally to join, you just have to give me $40 and give me a DD-214. Because I need to know you're an honorable discharge. Uh, American Legion is one of a kind in that you don't have to be of a certain rank. You don't have to be of a certain branch. You don't have to be of a certain wartime era. You didn't have to deploy. Like it, Veteran is a veteran. Come to the post, show us your DD-214 and you're in. And then most activities are going to take place at a post level. So you'll have a New Bern baseball team or a Raleigh baseball team. They'll sponsor some kids for local projects. And then as they progress, they'll go up towards state level programs. Most things are going to take place at a post level, except, of course, for our legislative arm, where that is lobbying on Capitol Hill for us every single day. That's naturally engaged at a much higher level for us. And so that's interesting. So you have to have a uh, an honorable discharge. Admin discharges don't count. Or... Admin discharges, okay. You just can't be dishonorable. So you can be other okay. than honorable. I don't know if you can be other than honorable. I'm probably going to get not, yelled at for not. No big that. chicken. You can't have though. a dishonorable discharge. Right. There, just stick with that. Stick with that. Well, very cool. And then, so when you came in, do you want to, you know, bring in a new life to the program? Was that a, would you say that that, sort of was that a American Legion wide initiative or is that something that you sort of captured and then it sort of grew out from there oh no that wasn't me at all every American Legion post across the country is desperately trying to get in young blood uh you hit that in the show questions that is just what everyone is trying to do Due to where we are, due to the programming we have, it's just come a bit easier for our post, if I'm being honestly, if I'm being honest with you. But that's an American Legion wide initiative. How do we get in these younger veterans? And what, where have you found success? I mean, I, I know a lot of people will say, well, you need, just need to like have a more robust social media presence. I'm so right? glad you asked this question. This is the one question I wanted you to ask me. So. But like, is that really, is it really that simple just to have a Facebook like, page? Shake people when they say that because yeah, great. You have this wonderful Facebook page, but if all you're offering me is beer and bingo, <laughs> it's not going to do anything. Right. It all comes down to your programming. So yes, it definitely helps if you have one heck of a social media page, but I'll be honest, our social media sucks, but it's the programming. Do outdoor programming, go on kayaking trips, go on hikes. We just decided we're going to sponsor a fly fishing team. Like, do stuff and it bonus points if it's outside bonus points if it's family oriented so that your younger veterans can bring their kids can get their spouses involved but keep those old programs also you it's not one size fits all because there's not one size fits all veteran you do have those vietnam veterans you do have those gulf war veterans keep the bingo but do something else on top of it it's all about the programming and that's awesome are you seeing crossover participation, like some of the young people into the bingo and older? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So we do a 22-mile ruck every single year on Veterans Day. Last year, we had about 250 people participate. Wow. And the older guys, they're not going to be able to ruck the full 22 miles, but they fight over the spots to be in the safety vehicles. They fight to be the one passing out the water bottles. Like you really do see it because they they want to be involved. Everybody wants to be involved. It's just a matter of figuring out where everybody's space is and where they can find their home. It's but absolutely a lot of overlap. I go to bingo all the time because I am an old soul. So if there's a bingo, sign me up. We do a lot of nursing home visits also. Yeah, a lot of overlap. So cool. So would you say that there's like any, I don't know, 
for lack of a better term, like TTPs that like you think will resonate nationwide, or is it really just know your region, know your your local community, and then do stuff there? Outdoor family oriented activities. Yeah, that's and you can literally go on a hike together. It, it's really that simple. If you're in a fishing area, go fishing. If you're in the med- Midwest, November is going to open up here soon. It's going to be hunting season. Go hunting. Naturally get insurance. <laughs> Wear your protective gear. But And those outdoor activities overlap, or they don't overlap, but those outdoor activities double as therapy, in my opinion, with my post. I mean, you get three guys out hunting together, and suddenly the stories just come out naturally. So not only are you attracting new members, but you're you're helping your current members grow and outdoor activities. I'll push it all day. Yeah, no, I think that's Thanks. profound. There's so many organizations that want you or that seem to advertise that come to us and we'll do these things. You're sort of the opposite. Like, no, no, no we'll, we'll set up something out there. And all you need to do is just do probably something you're planning on doing anyways. Just show up anyways. I mean, one thing we... Uh, we identified that a lot of younger vets don't like coming to our post bar, but there are some really great craft beer bars around where I live. So every Thursday, there's a Marine Corps running team that meets at the same bar. So we sort of announced, hey, if you need a veteran, we're all going to be at that bar on Thursdays. Might not be the same veteran every Thursday, but we'll be there so you can talk to someone. We want to integrate with the life you're already living. We don't want to make it complicated. We don't want you to have to do anything to join us. We want to join you and meet you where you're at. I like that philosophy. And then how about like um, through local and city governances, do you find that they're willing to integrate with you guys sort of, I don't know, factor you guys into whatever events that they're running or is there some like, was this, oh, there is, okay, good. It benefits that my post is staffed with local leadership. So I've got a city councilman, I've got two county commissioners in my post, but the city loves that. Granted, I'm in New Bern, so I'm right by Cherry Point. But every single year, the city contacts uh, Vietnam Veterans of America to make sure they are going to put their flags out every year for Veterans Day. They contacted our American Legion post this year to make sure we were still doing our hike and to offer up the police escort. They love that. I mean, your local governments are always going to support veterans. It's just a matter of building that relationship and then working with them. One of the things I thought was really cool reading the article was um, how uh, you guys went out and sort of did some grounds maintenance and stuff on the African-American cemetery uh, because it had become dilapidated and clearly wasn't being well kept. And then you guys spent weekends and weekends. Yeah, um, that was a big project. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So it actually started a year before that. The Post had identified that there was a World War I monument in town that didn't have all the World War I veterans' names on it. And it was disproportionately black veterans had been left off of it because of the times. So we paid to have that monument redone and have all of the names of all of the veterans added to it. And then we were like, well, what can we do next? So we identified Greenwood Cemetery, this historically black cemetery that never got the honors or the recognition that the National Cemetery got. They didn't get the flags. They didn't get the parades. They didn't get the salutes. I mean, They didn't even get clean headstones. So the guys were like, we want to go clean this. We contacted the Department of Veterans Affairs to get the special cleaning kits. And at the time, it was only supposed to be about like 42 headstones we were going to be cleaning. But as we were scrubbing, literally, we were getting poked in the knees when scrubbing these things because they were buried headstones because they had been so poorly managed. So we ended up identifying, cataloging, and cleaning about like 62 headstones. And that was huge. I mean, that was a lot that a lot of healing came from that for multiple members of the community. And I just announced today online that we are partnering with Montford Point Marines because we found a second cemetery with 168 veterans, like 16 of whom are Montford Point Marines. And so we're gonna partner together to keep that going and make sure that all veterans 
I don't care where you're from, you're going to be recognized and honored as a veteran. That's amazing. What a great project. Yeah, really fun. It's outdoors. It's, you know, it's, it hits all the marks. Anybody can get involved in that. It's a, and you can do that no matter what city you're in. That's really cool. Um, well, speaking of some of your guys' initiatives, uh, I was really interested to hear uh, it mentioned, and I, I, I was hoping you could sort of unpack it a little bit for us, but the the Be The One, the Buddy Check program, you know, one of the reoccurring themes so far in this interview has been the healing por- part of, you know, bringing veterans together back in the community. Uh, what are those things? Well, you could tell us a little bit about those programs. Yeah, be the one. A lot of times you talk about suicide prevention on this global scale. Like we need this monumental project to fix it. Be the one wants to tell everyone, just just be the one person who calls one person and says, hey, how are you? And then listen, reach out, listen to them. And if they need help, get them there. And that's much easier to handle, right? You eat the elephant one bite at a time when we do it as be the one way easier when you tackle it that way. And the buddy check program, in fact, we even need a program when everyone should just be doing this. Call your people, especially during COVID. And then with Kabul, like, just call one person. Ask them, open up, say, hey, this was really shitty for me to see. How are you feeling? Like, hey, would you mind if I talk to you? Because maybe you know they don't want to talk, but they'll listen to you and that might help them. Reach out. It doesn't matter who you're reaching out to. They don't need to be a veteran. Just reach out to ask them how they're doing. Naturally, I'd prefer you reach out to a veteran, but for the sake of be the one, reach out to anyone. Just do your part. Liz, what kind of feedback did you get back, if any? Were, did anybody share stories with you after after having reached out to one person? or Did you, did you get any of that kind of feedback? Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. COVID is what stands out the most to me. We were reaching out offering to go buy groceries and leave them at some of our older veterans' homes because we knew they didn't want to go out in public. No one had called them. So we would call and be like, hey, we just want to check in. Can we get you some groceries? And they were like, we haven't talked to anyone in two months. No one's checked in. And so the local American Legion post, because it is local, that was their connection. That was how they built relationships. That is how they stayed sane in a lot of ways. Uh, we sent out birthday cards. We had one member call us crying because they were like, this is the kindest thing anyone could have done. It was a birthday card. Uh, So a lot of really positive feedback from something that's very simple. Like we're not, don't do anything crazy. Just pick up the phone. It's it's interesting. I think that, um, I, I think that we have a tendency to forget that we don't have to do these big major epic things that one very small simple act can make such a huge difference in a person's day in a person's life and um, I really love that idea that you're reminding your members of that I think it's in the social media age also people you you try to get all these likes and all these comments and all these like messages there's something so powerful about one voice like one person who actually cares and is reaching out to know how you're truly doing and they really will listen. And that's, that's the beauty that be the one campaign is like you said, it doesn't have to be any grandiose project. Just, just reach out. Yeah. Ice bucket challenges are are fine, but what difference do they actually make in terms of one person's call? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't make for a, a light, a uh, highly liked, uh, Instagram post as much, but yeah, probably the oh net God. effect is much more impactful. What will we do without the content, though, Vic? The world will end. <laughs> like, I didn't get enough likes in five minutes. I'm taking it down. Um, so, I mean, clearly activism sort of seems to be like in your DNA. Um, and you obviously have a very you know strong sense of community and wanting to build community. Um, on that you know, separately, but similarly, you, you've been nominated one spouse of the year awards um, from the base all the way to the service level. You know, what does that mean for you, especially being that you are you advocate so much for veterans? Now you're re- also receiving uh, military spouse awards as well. Yeah, that's a great question. There's so much that needs to be done for spouses also, because I mean, when you think about when you retire or when you separate from the Marine Corps and you're trying to figure out where we're going to end up, 
in our final home, a lot of times it's going to be the spouse making that decision. And it's going to be the local policies that dictate where that spouse is going to want to go. So licensing reciprocity, things of that nature, are the schools strong? What opportunities are available to me? Do the local employers allow me to vest in my retirement? Or does it take me three freaking years by the time I'm going to PCS? So spouses have to be considered and winning Lejeune Spouse of the Year allowed me to sort of bring a voice to that. So I was very grateful for that. And it also just helped me bug everybody even more because then I could come at them from multiple. Like, oh God, here she is again. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. We're wearing another that? so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Another I'm only wearing that blue pits cover. Like I won't wear anything else. <laughs> Did you get a pin? Another pin for your flare? You know what? I didn't get a pin, which kind of irked me because like if come I get on. a pin, I don't want it. Like I... <laughs> hey, anybody listening? Let's get a pen on this case study like ASAP. <laughs> um, so, and how has that been received though? Like, do you feel like there's a, because clearly um, all of the PAOs out there are going to have this as a talking point for military leadership, but is there much follow through? Does everybody get it? Um, or is this one of these, like, we really want to do it, but there's so many other alligators getting closer to the boat. You know what? I'll go off on a little tangent on this. I don't think anyone realizes just how much of an impact military bases have on the surrounding communities. People will say, yeah, we get it. But when you start thinking about the money that is brought into local communities from bases, we're talking billions of dollars. You have car dealerships because the Marines go and buy those cars. We just yeah. look at bracking. As soon as a, uh, a a base folds up, man, the community You're speaking implodes. my language. Like, yes, that, that is why you have literal lobbying firms exist because of the BRAC process. You have hospitals that are thriving because all of the spouses that are having children in those hospitals. The, the impact of a base, it, it can't be understated. Uh, so, no, I don't think anyone realizes how important it is. I do think North Carolina is the best. We recently just past state legislation that there's no state tax on pensions now, which is freaking awesome. huge. Yeah. So if you want your money to go a wee bit further, retire to New Bern. <laughs> yes. I can and then join the American Legion. Maybe time to Please. move. <laughs> Please do. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. And I, you know, you talked about the legislative part. That's the part of the American Legion that I don't think ever gets enough attention. And coincidentally, I think it's the most powerful part of the American Legion. And it's the part that has the greatest impact on not just our members, but every other veteran who hasn't joined us. And when you look at the fact that my membership is only $40, when we look at what the American Legion's legislative efforts get you, it's, it, it's a no-brainer to join. And you talk about it all day, Vic. <laughs> Well, we might have to have you back on. Um, so speaking of hats and piss cutters and things, so you are no stranger to transition. You've worn a lot of hats. You're wearing yeah. lots of hats. Um, you know, you had uh, you know a full a tour in the Marines, then a tour with the Department of State. Now you're with Edward Jones, the financial advisor. Along the way, you picked up a bachelor's, master's degree. Um, for those who are listening who are, struggling with the transition or staring down the barrel of having to transition, whether it's from the military or from, you know, job to job or like my own family did where we decided to, uh, you know, focus on homeschooling our kids. So, you know, just a lot of, just a lot of, this is a time of people coming out of the pandemic, reintegrating or continuing to draw. I mean, there's, there's a myriad of ways that, we as Americans are experiencing life as Americans. Like what are some of the advice that you might have for those? Like what made you happy? What was fulfilling? What was a challenge? What are you still dealing with? That's a lot. Um, so find a community, find, some, even if it was just one person, right? Find someone who you feel has mastered the transition, whatever that transition may be. If it's homeschooling, find someone who's an expert homeschooler and latch on to them, ask them questions and never stop learning. I think that's so, you know, complacency kills. Just, you have to keep learning. 
the moment you stop learning, you lose your edge and you're no longer able to transition well. And I go back to what I said earlier, do stuff that's fun. If you, if at any point in your transition, you're trying to do something and it doesn't spark a fire in your soul, just thinking about it, okay, it's the wrong thing. You're not gonna put 100% into the effort because that's not, that's not what you wanna be doing. So find something that really sparks that cheesy fire and then chase it relentlessly and have a good tribe around you. Yeah, no, that's totally cheesy, but it's so true. It's so um, true. <laughs> the, so it's true. cheesy for a reason. But at the same time, I mean, there is a there is some friction. There's a tug. There's a push and pull between wanting to find that passion, but then also you got to supplement that income, right? Like well, so. Spoiler: well, The American Legion doesn't pay me, but it makes me really freaking happy, and I love what I'm doing. So, it, maybe the answer for some people is to find that day job that does cover the bills. But that, if that depletes your energy, go find something that fills that cup back up. And for me, it's something that doesn't pay the bills, but I love it. Maybe it's kayaking. I don't know what it is. It's yeah, no, that's awesome. That, that, life advice, but it's being, yeah. being a part of a community. Absolutely, 100%. And the, you know what the craziest part is, is if you're in a job that you hate and you join that community, they're likely gonna have at least one person who can help you find a job you really love. Well, yeah, because there's a networking opportunities like crazy, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. There's so many benefits to finding that community. And do you find that, do you find that like, and I know they'll say this at Tap and Tampa, do you find like truly that like people really are uh, motivated to find veterans and to hire veterans? 1000%. It's crazy at the post level. I constantly have members trying to snipe members from other jobs. They're like trying to hire them. Wow. Uh, we do a lot of hiring workshops. But again, I'm blessed to be in New Bern. I'm in Eastern North Carolina, so it's a it's a little different around here. Yeah, there's a yes. couple of service members rolling around out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just a few. Because you have to think we're skilled talent. We have educations. We have degrees. We have skilled training. And you know we're going to work. You know we know how to lead a team. You know how you know that we can fight through any adversity and we're going to come to work on time. So there's a real yeah. benefit to hiring veterans. Uh, personally, it should be 100% veterans. Sorry, Nancy, but disproportionately <laughs> hire veterans is my hope. Veterans have already been vetted. Exactly. I mean, you guys have already proven yourselves. Um, that, I don't know. That's the... Again, speaking as a non-veteran here. <laughs> I think we're a little more fun to have around. We say things that are a bit more colorful, brings a little more fun <laughs> to the day. So there's a lot of benefits. Yeah, you got to be careful with that one because we're going to tell you what's, if you ask, we're going to tell you. going to tell you, you're going to get the truth. Um, so then what are your thoughts then as far as like tap and tamp? I, I felt it was good. Uh, it established a foundation, but there was a bit, it was a, a bit of a rose, like, hey, get your resume ready to go and get a LinkedIn account and then just oh. be patient. Um, do you find that, like, is there more to your five-year plan that you got to really lean into, especially if you're looking for that sort of passion project? Yeah, so you guys know I'm really active on LinkedIn. It angers me that all they say is build this LinkedIn, and then they let you free. If you build that LinkedIn, and then you go find people in your area. So I'm always looking for Marines. People will seek you out when they realize what your passion is and they will offer you jobs. I have seen Marines, Al Bellamy, he loves doing data analysis. He did data analysis for free and just posted it online to anybody who would look at what he was doing. And he got a job from it. Oh, so wow. Way more to your five-year plan than just filling out a resume, you have to build connections. Life is about connections. It's not about this screen that we're all living behind, um, network. And heck, you might not get a job out of it, but you might get a really good friend out of it. You might find someone who knows someone. It is so much more than I think what TAPS is telling people. I don't think they emphasize enough the, the benefit of getting out in your community, joining these local organizations, whether it's Chamber of Commerce or American Legion, I don't care go meet people and integrate in the community. And do you guys cross pollinate any of your events with like Elks Lodge or Moose Lodges or, you know, uh, veterans no of lodges, Wars or, what's that? 
no lodges, but we do cross pollinate with uh, the Montford Point Marines and uh, Chamber of Commerce a lot. And like veterans, foreign wars, and, and yeah, things. we have a local um, VFW post. We cross pollinate with them a bit. We host meetings at their location sometimes. We try to keep it all in the vet family, help everybody out. VVA, Vietnam Veterans of America. We do so many things with them. Yeah, I, I the 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 lodge things. A shout out to my mom. She used to teach uh, line dancing uh, <laughs> at an Elks Lodge in Garden Grove, California. So. I'll take this and I'll try to go hook up with a lodge now. We did just uh, partner <laughs> with Savage Tacticians, which is not an organization, but they're making us these rad silkies that say American Legion. So we're always trying to partner with people wherever we can. That's so cool. Well, um, so along those notes, and how can then listeners, I mean, you sparked my interest, like how can we get involved then with the American Legion? And then where can people find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn, the easiest place to find me, and then join American Legion, literally just go to Google and type join American Legion. Um, you can find a local post on there. So you can type in your zip code and you can call a local post. I, I want everyone to know though, if you call a local post in your area, and they are active, they're not doing really cool stuff, you've got two options, join and change it, or call a different post. Um, I have members that live hours away. You, you can join whatever post you want to join, or you can just join the national organization, which gets you a pretty cool magazine. It helps us lobby on Capitol Hill, and that's a cheaper membership anyways. So we, we have a different, few different ways you can go about it. Is, is as a spouse, as the non- veteran in this group what are the opportunities and options for someone like me heck yeah you can join auxiliary <laughs> um the one thing i will push is if you go to legion.org forward slash action anyone a civilian a spouse a daughter a sister a mother i don't care who you are you can click our legislative action buttons which help us pass the pact act that's how we get things done like the major richard Starr act so there's a lot of ways for spouses to get involved, um, volunteer opportunities, but you can formally join the auxiliary. We also have the Sons of the American Legion. It's like the man auxiliary, even though men can join the auxiliary now because it's the PC world, guys. So you can join anything now, but there's lots of ways you can get involved. That's cool. Good to know. Awesome. Well, again, Liz, thank you so much for your time. This has been really great. Uh, I don't know, Nancy, you want to ask the, uh, the the crown jewel question? Yeah, this is, this is our, this is our, yeah, this is our crown jewel question. Tell us, what was your best day in the Marine Corps? Can Raise I give you my favorite thing I got from the Marine Corps? Sure, yes. My best Absolutely. friend. Oh, oh nice. that is adorable. <laughs> She's deploying me rock right now. I'm like, that's the only thing that comes to mind. Well, let me ask you this then. What was it like, especially from as a Cali guy, to go from Ohio to South Carolina to then Monterey, California? Gnarly. Yes, that's thank the you. Real that's question. the right word. That it you is, win. That's the right word. You know, it was gnarly, but like it's a microclimate, which nobody realizes in Monterey. First, everything costs a bajillion dollars. Everyone is a millionaire in Monterey, and then it's. It's also, it's a bunch of nerds, right? Like we all love weird nerd games that no one else has heard of. We're having conversations that no one else is ever having. Monterey was one of the most insane experiences of my life because, and the weather and the golf and the food, it, it, it was weird. I've never experienced a place quite like Monterey. I very much want to go back as a civilian. It's beautiful. But I came from the good old hearty Midwest, Vic, so it was culture shock to go to Monterey in a lot of ways. Nice. Well, we're, we're going to put uh, Monterey on for the, uh, your answer then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. My, yes, that's totally fair. Although the best friend, that just, yeah, they just warmed the heart. Like You love to hear it. Yes, yes. You get a twofer, twofer on that one. <laughs> well, Liz, this has been so fun. This has been amazing. I really wish you all the best. Uh, American Legion sounds awesome. And uh, you definitely you won me over. Uh, I know, Nancy, you got anything else? 
I have a million questions, but we can save it for a, a repeat performance. I've, God, I've thought of a been more. <laughs> like the funnest podcast I've ever done. And I know it's because it's a Marine Corps podcast, but truly, like, you, this is so much fun. This was wonderful. Thank you. Well, we, awesome. we're really happy to have you on. We, we were thrilled in Leatherneck to be able to tell the story of the American Legion and what you guys are doing. And, um, and I can't believe you guys lost it. Sarah. She is freaking amazing. That I was know, so I wonderful. Know. Well, and it's it's funny. I don't know if you've listened to the, the the episode we just aired, which was Vic and I did an interview with Sarah. And I got to thinking about it because Sarah and I have worked together on and off for 14 years. So when you just mentioned, you know, you got your best friend. Well, Sarah and I have gotten to be very good friends. And so, you know, where else can you record a conversation for all times? For with your, yeah. With and, your freaking and, best friend. Yeah, we had uh, one of my best friends on er oh, early on in the show, Jeff Stoltz. But um, that's right. Yeah. So, anyways, we're doing a lot of healing even here. Like yeah. here we are. This <laughs> we're is great. Right. Awesome. Well, we hope you'll come back on the show, and we hope that you will keep uh, Scuttlebutt the podcast and Leatherneck Magazine. Heck uh, yeah. You know, let us know what you guys are doing, and let us know about other great American Legion stories that we can tell because we, we are all will. about storytelling. And I'm signed up. I'll be sharing this link everywhere. Awesome. Oh, well, yeah. So everybody, check out Liz, uh, AmericanLegion.com. Go just Google Join American Legion. Uh, check out the Leatherneck article about uh, American Legion. Check out September Liz's, issue. Yeah. Which one? September issue? It's a September issue. And I think we've got all the links of, that anyone needs in the magazine. And we'll, we'll definitely post them uh, in the show description. And then check out Liz, uh, Elizabeth Hartman in LinkedIn, right? Yep, that's it. Sweet. Well, again, this is so great. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you. Have a wonderful weekend. And yeah, we'll have you back on, please. Bye, guys. Thanks Bye. for your time. Bye. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am Nick Wilson. That is Major Vic Rubel, U.S. Marine Corps retired. You have also heard the voices of or contributions from William Truding or Nancy Lichman, editors of Gazette and Leatherneck Magazines, respectively. Opinions expressed in Scuttlebutt are just that, opinions, and do not represent any official stance of the MCA.